All right, everybody. Dad bought a rap pod. We're not going to, you know, fuck around with y'all this week. Uh, obviously, there's a lot going on uh, in the world outside of music. Rap music has been a part of uh, the American experience and the black cultural expression for a long time. And we here on the podcast have always been open to talking about issues of race and things that are going on more broadly in society. Today will be no different, except that um, we're just going to get into it. There isn't really a rap kind of tangential angle that we're going to talk about necessarily, but just, um, you know, parsing through processing everything that's going on right now in the wake of, of George Floyd's murder and all of the protests that have erupted um, across the country. Um, just, yeah, we've been feeling a little bit, you know, flat footed in the sense of, do we just carry on as business as usual on our podcast and, and just talk about records in the way that we do? Um, again, given rap's proximity to American culture, black culture, its commentary on race, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna chop it up today and, um, uh, we may have uh, some kind of rap tangential angle, but yeah, just how's it going, guys? Like, fuck. Shit is uh, wild. Brutal. Right now. Welcome brutal. to Dad Bod, the world is on fire pod. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> no for kidding. Real. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I can't listen to Protect Your Neck the same. You know what I mean? Right? Like, right. everything is fucking changing. Um, spiritually deflated like everyone else. You know, it's fucking ridiculous. I just saw Trump uh, holding a Bible on fucking TV, like a piece of shit. He's holding a, a Bible? Monster. Yeah, he's holding yeah. a Bible, call, uh, calling for more aggressive military action. You know. Yeah. 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 There's good people on both sides. Ugh. I, I didn't listen to ah. it because I tend not to listen to his press conferences and because my day job life is like insane right now, as I'm sure all of your guys are like we were already swimming upstream against COVID and right. the kind of the, the new world that we were having to enter. And then yeah, it, our city of San Jose, California had massive protests and there was some destruction of property in the downtown area where we live and work. And we're, we're dealing with that. Um, I'm very, very sad about what's going on. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to talk to you guys about it. And I have been looking forward to this all Same. weekend because we need to, we need to hash some, some things out and just discuss it. And I really want to listen to you guys about what this, this means for you and your future and the world around us. And, you know, Alchemix Gibbs is sick as fuck, but <laughs> that's not the important thing right now. Right. That's the only only silver lining i mean of, of the last couple of days i mean yeah man the things are tough things are trying and it's like i don't know how you, I, this is the worst i don't know well what can be said that hasn't you know um the, the silence is loud yeah. you know yeah it's brutal it's brutal my, 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 my asian american community where the fuck you at i don't see you guys out there on the streets i i don't I don't see that much posting about it. I don't see anything. And like, I was just telling Nate, like, I don't really make personal posts ever, but I just felt like it was just absurd, absurd to, absurd to me. I see fucking bigger packs of Asians rolling to get boba. You know, you right. can't fucking protest, you know? Yeah. Like, where yeah. are you guys at? 
it, especially given um, everyone's proximity to black culture. You right. Know? Right. And so that's that's for me is what, you know, kind of we have one foot in the cultural space and and I'm always thinking about how black culture is absorbed and used. And then in moments like these, the silence is deafening. And it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like um, we're struggling to um, deal with exactly how shitty things are. I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, oh, it's been like this every day, you know, but in some ways it has. So sure. it's this idea of, awareness of what's going on is harder to deny or hide from mm -hmm. and so people are being asked in this moment um to to make some decisions about things and so uh to your point dave i i have seen like some commentary about um how anti-blackness plays out in the asian american community or in my work uh working in san jose for the last 25 years in nonprofit, how anti-blackness plays out in the latinx community Right, um, right. So all of these issues are, are kind of brought to the forefront um, because of just the wild kind of brazen nature of the injustice that has taken place. And so um, it's forcing a lot of people into really uncomfortable spaces. I mean, maybe a little bit later in the conversation, we can talk about some of the rap and black celebrities who have kind of really put their foot in their mouth um, mm -hmm. around this. But I do feel like it's one of those times where um, folks are just really being pushed into a place that they're not familiar or comfortable with. And so right. I, I really, in a weird way, I kind of empathize with folks sometimes, uh, non-Black people um, who are kind of on the outskirts of the conversation, haven't been paying attention, don't mm -hmm. have the language to talk about it in a particular mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like, oh, I know this is fucked up, but I don't know what to say or do right right well you just got to show up you know show yeah. up and be peaceful Fuck. yeah you know um re retweeting memes uh, only goes so far but even then that shit's silent i mean that was yeah the, this the, this whole thing i mean it's a complex situation i mean obviously with like different races and everything but you know and you know the blurring of lines with po with poc and how and how that aligns and it doesn't it's been really right. disheartening man it's been really disheartening yeah, it's 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 definitely tough, and I I feel like uh, it's one of those things where in order to heal, like sometimes you know shit's gotta blow up, right? You know? Like shit right. has to be um, brought to the surface, and that's it's gonna be an ugly process. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in the very beginning stages. Before uh, you hopped on, Dave, me and Nate were kind of positing like, is this is this the beginning? of something mm. and and Nate as a person who um works in downtown San Jose and really for downtown San Jose and its businesses um what what has that been like like what is the conversation in those spaces um about what's happening uh people are weary man like they were already close to their breaking point with the shelter in place and the uncertainty like the kind of the financial uncertainty of when they could reopen or how they could reopen or how they could operate their businesses and they are streets turning into like something akin to a war zone um mm -hmm. and that we're on night four now 
um, I think I think it's gonna it's gonna cause some people to give up, and that's that's really um, a tough decision. It's not something I would ever try to talk anyone out of. I try to be empathetic in my dealings with our local business community and to see things from their side. Um, it's it's really really hard, and um, the it's really hard to draw a line about where to place the anger. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, we're all obviously, the three of us are basically at low level enraged at the state of federal affairs pretty much constantly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We have a kind of right. fear and loathing of the police apparatus, the militarization of the police and the tactics of a lot of police pretty much all the time with a healthy right. dose of fear in there as well. And now you, you kind of, you need a place to express the anger of the people who are destroying the local businesses that give a city its soul mm-hmm. and the, the senselessness mm-hmm. around that. Um, right. And you can fully support the protest and still be angry about some of the, the, the damage. And I have, I have, I've tried to not use the term property because property is not as important as people's lives or about the, as the bigger issues here and property can mm-hmm. be replaced. And we've seen right. some entrepreneurs on a, national level uh, Bobby hundreds comes to mind who said, yeah, they, they looted my store. They burnt down my ship, but I support what the protest is about. And like that level of um, downness is really that that's inspiring to me. Um, 100%. So the people I'm working with are nearing their breaking point. And it's funny. Right. I, I every all day and it's at, it's at a crucial moment right now. I've worked on this uh program to utilize the streets and sidewalks to let the businesses fan out to like get back to business right. in the age of social distancing. And I've just been wondering all day, are we just putting projectiles on the streets that are going to get thrown through their windows? Potentially. Right. I mean, that's, I just, yeah. I did not have riot on my COVID bingo card and it's yeah. just, it's just, I don't know what to do, man. Um, I don't, right. I'm, I'm going to push forward on my work and hope that there, there's a sensibility about, the proper time to deploy these things that takes into account the totality of the things that are changing by the minute. And uh, Mm -hmm. it it was not an easy day. It was not an easy weekend. Um, I was trying to follow the protests on Twitter as best I could, but you're just getting such a prismatic view of it. You'll never see the whole thing. I don't think anyone except for maybe the helicopter pilots can see what's really happening. You know what I mean? And that's just who's on what streets. You can't really see the, the look in people's eyes and like hear what's happening. So it's, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. I incredibly tough. I feel like um, it, it, again, it it raises uh, just a whole plethora of issues that go between race um, really our feelings on capitalism. It's been really interesting. um, And this is, you know, in our lifetimes, there have been these moments of riots where we're talking about LA 92, Mm -hmm. Baltimore post Freddie Gray, um, and inevitably, the, the conversation always turns to this idea of peaceful protest versus violent. When and how is it, or is it appropriate, uh, the destruction of property um, and all these things? And so it, it kind of uh, has a familiar tone to it. Although this time, this is the first time I could remember people intelligently moving through that conversation about capitalism. I think mm-hmm. prior to this, every time the, the refrain from all sides was, it's all fine and good until you break a window. 
right? And then immediately your shit's illegitimate. You shouldn't be doing it. Um, I have seen a, a number of entrepreneurs and other people step forward and say, yeah, you know, this is, this is the monster that you invoke when you allow people to be murdered in the streets right, by agents right. of the state. Like if you don't want that type of feeling unleashed to put the responsibility on people who are enraged and oppressed and say, but be nice right. when you show up to say, please don't kill us. Also kind of like check your anger and don't break anything. And it's on mm. those on those grounds alone, you know, I, I can't sit here and advocate for anybody to do damage to anybody's property or endanger yourself by doing so. But I'm also, and I've been this way for a while, that it's it's almost like the ocean or something. It's a natural, it's a natural reaction. And we are so fortunate this shit doesn't happen every weekend. Because right. it could. Right. It could. Right. So I, I feel as though this is one of those times where I've heard that conversation, a more intelligent class analysis laid across this that I haven't heard before, which is one of the one of the things that I'm heartened by is that people aren't just looking at this through the lens of, um, you know, peaceful protesters versus looters versus right, right, right. versus rioters, you know, so it's that part has been heartening. Uh, there's definitely, you know, slimy shit within our city. And I'm sure this is uh, replicated throughout cities across the country. You know, our mayor taking a knee with protesters and then instituting a curfew. Right. God, that, like, that, that was disgusting. It's like, could, it be a, could he have been any more forced? Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's, it's slimy and it's, it's all politician-y shit. Um, but even that, people are aware and kind of uh, have an analysis to where sometimes folks are able to see these things for what they are. And so if there's any silver lining for me, it's that um, the conversation I feel is shifting uh, a little bit in terms of how we talk about these things. Can I ask you guys a question? I would, I had, I was aware of the term, but it's really pushed to the forefront in this conversation. And that is the notion of defunding the police. And like, where does that sit with you? I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it. It's a new idea for me. I, I kind of can't see it happening anytime soon based on the way I know city budgets are allocated. Right. But like, where do, where do you guys stand with that? And is that a slogan or an, a concept you would take and run with here? Or is it, are, we, are we too close to the, the, the genesis of it to really have an idea around it? And perhaps you have other experience with it that I don't, but it's, it's, it's kind of new to me and I'm, I'm struggling with it a little. Well, I think the, the, the military, militarization of the of police departments are absurd. Like, you, you don't need 30 Hummers and, and fucking um, tanks, you know? Right. It's absurd. Um, defunding the police, I mean, I think, I mean, that's certainly um, a hairy sort of a slogan, right? I mean, we need police. They need to be funded. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm not sure where to begin with that. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, and this, that flows from like that idea of defund the police flows from uh, the police abolition movement, which is a real thing. And folks much smarter than I have been working on that for a long time. Um, and from kind of what I've read and engaged with and listened to, um, the leap that you need to make in order to understand something like defund the police um, 
comes from these notions of safety. So, um, and it was posed to me, I forget where I was, but I was in a workshop one time and somebody said, you know, talk about a situation where you feel safe and what, what causes safety. And everybody kind of went around and said, and nobody said a situation where we have all kinds of police around. That actually right. makes me feel less safe. Right. And if right. you think about the safest communities that you've been to, they are not places where a cop is on every corner. Right, um, right. And so it's kind of this untethering of cop equals safety. The cop equals safety argument is rooted in if we don't have these people here, people will just do whatever the fuck. It's a very kind of dim take on human nature is to say that without this militarized police force, people would rip, rip each other to shreds, which is not there isn't like a lot of like uh, empirical evidence to support that. Places where police violence jumps off the heaviest are oftentimes low crime areas. Oh, 100%. You yeah. go to Asia, the police force doesn't have guns. And I feel right. it's safer than ever. You know what right. I mean? Right. So it's not our notion of policing and what it means for safety. I think the police abolition movement is just prodding and poking and challenging us to say, um, if we took that 50, 75, 100 million dollars and had another idea Right, right of, right. of how to keep our community safe, right? Like, I mean, let's make sure the elementary school is tight. You know what I mean? Let's make sure mm -hmm. everybody has healthcare. Let's make sure there's a social safety net so that when people are broke, they don't have to go out and do crime. Right. There's, I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just saying uh, there's a movement going on right now and a philosophy um, that I think people should definitely check out and, and resist the urge to dismiss out of hand and go, well, what, well, we have to have cops. The cops exist um, with impunity to do violence because of that notion. Right. That we right, have right. to have them. And if we start engaging with, maybe there's different ways to do it, that, that could be a change. Well, I think police and oversight is needed, but it's certainly, it's certainly not carte blanche to just, that they can do whatever they want, right? It shouldn't be. You know. I, I think the the conceptual framework that you're laying out makes a ton of sense and I appreciate it. And I think it's a, a, a consciousness shifting from police equals safety to police equals violence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which which we've seen. I mean, we, we watched a lot of news this weekend. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, they, that's what they're that is what their function and their structure, the historical nature of, of policing is doing what ICE was doing. Like these were slave, it's an adapt, adaptation of slave patrols. So there was never a time when there was a benevolent police force that was here for the good of everyone. And so police abolition is asking us to kind of reconsider um, our notions of how we look at crime and punishment. Um, in our, I posted a thread on our Twitter uh, feed at Dad by Rat Pod that kind of pushed folks, you know, Angela Davis's Are Prisons Obsolete? is a great it's a short book it i believe is only like 112 pages um it's a great place to kind of get your mind into it and and kind of think through it because and i really wanted to bring it to this space the problem doesn't have like there's no ballot measure um right. people have tried police oversight commissions we've tried body cameras we've tried all sorts of different things uh nothing's worked thus far so that that is kind of where that comes from. And I, I feel like 
we're if Nate to your point, if we're on the start of something new, I think even that conversation being a thing, I heard defund the police like five times at work today, and I've never heard that before. Right. It's hard to defund power structures though. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. these motherfuckers are locked and they're not going anywhere. So I yeah, to your point with the I mean, there's no ballot initiative that's gonna like smoothly do this. I mean I I I don't know. I, it's like this circular, circular logic that I keep going back to watching the fucking news, news riddles and all these clips. And it's just, uh, com- yeah, just completely disheartening, dude. What do you do? What do you do? It's been bubbling forever. And, and next week, another black guy is going to get shot. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That, that you know. gentleman who had the rib restaurant who like literally was feeding the cops on the front lines got shot yesterday. Absolutely. Like we haven't even sorted the bodies. Um, that that are happening during the the protests it's it's absurd yeah um it's so incredibly disheartening and um i don't we talked internally and i really appreciate damone you helping us foment some thoughts for the twitter feed because we don't want to stay silent on our platform um and we're, we're not necessarily going to keep it all about music, but Dave and I, and Dave, I don't, I hope you don't mind me saying this. We, we didn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to be a better person. I've been familiar with the concept of white privilege since I was a freshman in college. It was the first time I heard that phrase and I've had a lot of time to sit with that and sort that out. Um, and I consider myself to be someone who has a lot to say about a lot of things, but I just found myself feeling very powerless and, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I didn't know what to say, and I I really liked what you said, and I appreciate you saying it kind of on behalf of us. And now I'm sitting here like listening to myself talk, and I'm like, uh, am I putting that on you? Am I like asking you to be the spokesman for the group? And it, <laughs> as the host, you kind of are anyway. But it, it was an interesting moment, and I I thought you really rise to the occasion, and I appreciate it. But um, I need to I need to figure out what I really stand for and like what mm-hmm. I really believe in. And I, I, I hold some truths to be evident, but I've often not expressed them. So if I, have I not been anti-racist enough in my life? Right. Right. Well, um, I mean, that was, that was part of the reason I made that Instagram post, which is a little personal. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it make the, the self reevaluation that takes place is important. And mm-hmm. I hope that's a conversation that's happening at least, at least internally with more people. I mean, you know, we're flooded with images of Twitter and, and, you know, all this, but hopefully people are just having these inner dialogues that are, you know, bringing forth some sort of healing and higher understanding of the issues that's been plaguing everything. Yeah, it's, 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 there, there are like, I don't want to say silver linings, but some things that have heartened me, it's been a a very long and depressing weekend. Um, (sighs) But things that have heartened me, uh, especially in the last uh, 24 hours, was talking to um, my teenagers. I have a, a, a 15-year-old and a, uh, and a uh, 14-year-old. Um, and to hear them um, kind of articulate this kind of radicalized worldview, which we hadn't even talked about it. My first time talking to my kids about it was on Sunday. Um, and just where they were at with it, I was like, wow, these kids are really sharp. Um, they're obviously engaging with social media and some of the ideas and conversation that's going on there, but the worldview and the way that they're talking about this is really, really sharp. And so, um, and in a lot of ways, these protests like these are youth driven. It's, it's a new 
it's the new rage. Um, my son and, and his grandpa were kind of having a back forth about what makes this any different. His grandpa going, we were doing this in 68 in this, nothing's going to change. And my son right. being like, no, 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 no. Like things are going to change because enough is enough and we're not having that shit and people are doing mm -hmm. different things. And so it was an interesting back forth, but just the fact that uh, young people are walking into this with a different type of awareness. They've grown up in the era of Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown. Right, and right. All of these things that when I was a kid were not folklore because we knew them to be true in my culture, but they weren't videotaped pre Rodney King. And so my right. children have grown up in a constant stream. White supremacy has been showing its whole ass for the last decade. So mm -hmm. they don't need this convincing and they're coming into the conversation at a different point. So I was, I was heartened by that. I've been heartened by friends, colleagues um, who have just reached out and like, mm -hmm. like, Hey, I don't know what to say other than I'm thinking about you. I feel for you and your family. Like, let me know. And like, I don't need anything from these folks, but just to know that people from, you know, different cultures, backgrounds are reaching out um, and really dealing with this idea of anti-blackness. And I think that's kind of, for me, if I, when I strip it down, I go, the, the essential idea that black people are less, are towards the bottom of valuation, even under property. I would say if you're gonna do a, a hierarchy of, of value in our country, black people come after dogs and property. Like, honestly, if, if this dude had a kneeled on a dog's neck for nine minutes, there wouldn't have been any riots because his ass would have been in jail, jail totally. almost immediately, right? Totally, yes, totally. 100% true. 100%. So, so it's one of those things where now we're talking about, again, I've had a conversation about anti-blackness in my work life more times than I have in 10 years. So I don't, that's not to say like, hey, everything's going to be all right. But maybe this is a moment where uh, some of these really, old and pernicious and vicious ideas are finally like seen in the light for what they are. And, and, and Black Lives Matter has been trying to take us on this ride for, you know, you know almost a decade now, but mm -hmm. we, uh, you know, f folks, folks are pretty hard headed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it takes, it takes some wild shit to, to bring people to like, awareness. Totally. I mean, it's, it's especially deflating because nobody pays attention if there's no violence. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what the fuck, what, you know, it, you know, people have been saying, oh, writing and protesting, you know, um, particularly writing um, is like the language of the unheard, right? right. And it's like, obviously, dude. So I, I, I don't know what the starting point is, though. You know what I mean? Mm. I think we, we got the issue thrust upon us, yeah. mm -hmm. right? It's like, we don't have to decide anymore. It's, yeah. it's happening right now. And this, the complete vacuum of leadership at the top <laughs> of the country is what feels particularly different. It felt different during the public health crisis that is still ongoing right? with right. the pandemic and the disease. And now uh, you have someone who has no particular interest in calming things or in bringing people together in charge mm -hmm. for the first time in my lifetime. At least George W. Bush would pretend. Totally, totally. He would have. He would have had a fireside chat. He would have like made some little malapropism that people thought was cute, and like tried tried to play statesman. Right. And, okay. and well, I'm, but, not, but, I'm not here for like 
faking it, but let, we let have me, nothing right now. Let me stop you, though, a little bit, Nate. I, I want to push back on this a little bit. Please. Because I remember George Bush during Hurricane Katrina, and that motherfucker was not doing shit. Like, they he, – he's maybe wasn't as openly malicious as Trump, um, but the reckless indifference for people's lives was not very different. Um, yeah, yeah. You know – You're and, right. And I'm, I'm not here for the – George W. Bush nostalgia train. Like right, that started right. on election night and I'm not here for that. And so that was probably a bad example. I'm just saying he wouldn't have hidden in the basement and turned the lights off. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, I mean, with, with, with Bush, I mean, yeah, it's, it's gross um, indifference, but I mean, uh, Trump is fanning the flames. Cause it know, works straight up. This, this, I mean, it, this is part and parcel of, this is a gift for him in some ways in his base. Um, right. It, it oh, allows, totally. allows them to um, lean into their most uh, racist stereotypes um, about Black people. And so it's an interesting moment where we obviously have no leadership, but um, that vacuum, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I'm sounding like a fucking optimist today, but that vacuum, <laughs> that vacuum of leadership is allowing more and more white people specifically to see how morally bankrupt all this is. Like, and it sucks that it's taken, you know, year four of Trump's first turn, and I say first with intention, um, to, for people to get there. But like, I think it's moving um, more and more people to the understanding that uh, you, you have to decide what you stand for. There's no more kind of like neutral, in my work, we talk about there's no race neutral policy. Mm -hmm. You're either dismantling or you're supporting. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, I, I mean, as, I, as someone who works downtown and runs multiple businesses, I mean, I obviously do not ever want to see my, my workplace looted or broken. But, you know, I mean, you can resurrect a building. You can't resurrect George Floyd. Yeah, yeah. And that's, but at the same time, you know, and maybe this is a, a kind of transitioning to the conversation about where hip hop is. You had hip hop cats who are a part of the kind of, uh, let's call it the, the captains of industry, people who have, you know, Killer Mike has, a, has barbershops and stores and shit in Atlanta. And he was very much like, hey, everybody, don't, don't break shit. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this interesting moment of, uh, black capitalism in particular, there's a great article on OK Player that kind of digs into some of this. It's a very interesting moment for black capitalism and the kind of rock nation brunch set who... Um, the competing impulses of mm -hmm. blackness and capitalism when you have a huge platform and voice. Mm -hmm. and it's a what moment are you doing? right now. Yeah. Right. What are you doing? Right. What are you not doing? I mean, uh, Virgil Abloh being probably the most uh, notable person who really has not come out looking great in this time because he's he's number one he donated fucking 50 bucks to something which is wild to that's me. ridiculous like i hope he missed a zero or two right right, right dude right. right brick on your brick bro like, so, <laughs> fuck out of here with that but he's having that moment that i think um a lot of black people who have ascended the kind of capitalist ladder are having they're like yeah we want equality and shit but like don't break my stuff like yeah. like i worked hard to and and i have some empathy for that they're like i played the game sure. i worked hard to get here um obviously I'm a, I'm a black person and i want 
freedom and equality, at least you say you want it. But the radical shit, like, they're not about the radical shit. Like, I would say most people who have something to lose are, are not on that wave. And that from Jay-Z, Beyonce, all the way down. Like, it's, it's a fun thing to put on and it's, it's a cool aesthetic. But at the end of the day, um, and I won't say all, you know, I think Cardi B, who is more politically astute than anybody ever gives her credit <laughs> for, has been great. Uh, no Name has been roasting the shit. Oh, right. shit out of... Right out of black celebrities all weekend. Um, so that's, that's been good. Even, Even Don Lemon. Bruh. Why is Don Lemon figure, so but... fucking woke? What happened? Dude. I remember that guy from Ferguson. He couldn't, couldn't know, get two lines together. Interesting <laughs> to see his kind of image rehabilitation and uh, yeah. a, 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 an interesting call out. Um, and, and he's probably right. Um, I think... I didn't watch the Killer Mike speech. You'd think it'd be the first thing I'd click on, um, but and I probably should have as like show research because I should have known we were going to talk about it. But I've never seen so many different takes on a speech. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying this is the exact right thing. Some people are saying he's a sellout. He's wearing a Kill Your Master shirt and he's talking about saving property, not people's lives. Like right. I've never seen so many different takes on it. And he's he's a beloved figure in many senses but he has some points of view that we've talked about on the show including his second amendment rights right. position yeah. that don't fit neatly into the box of woke mc right, right. or black leader kind of thing yeah. and we come from a bay area sensibility where like we we our political sensibility is very berkeley if you will it's sure. very it's like very <laughs> personal freedom and right coming from like a kind of um, compassionate capitalist sense so of course his positions i haven't always agreed with or understood but that that speech really got people going and uh funnily ti also made comments at that event and you don't hear shit about that yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, well because they're they're just really and diddy has said some things these like weird like let's unify this kind of empty diddy brought amy schumer to the zoom no. <laughs> uh, I, I think, again, it's people are being asked to, to take a stand on something. And I think those who have accumulated material wealth are just not going to be good at that. Unless you, they've done some real intentional work to understand their privilege and where they're at. Um, I think the black celebrity in particular feels like they transcended something and they have the right to to enjoy their material success and when somebody comes along and says um you know you should be down for something more radical that would it's potentially mess with your bottom line um oh it's it's fucking fascinating and i think helpful though because at the end of the day Mm -hmm. let's stop going to the killer mics of the world and let's stop going to fucking magic johnson and let's stop talking to Oprah. Me and my mom are having this conversation. You know how many brilliant black minds there are in this fucking country? Like, why are we always going to a fucking athlete? You know, Killer Mike mm-hmm. ra- raps bars. Like, there's nothing in his background to say that this is who we should be going to other than these are the platforms that are allowed to black people. And so Magic Johnson shouldn't be saying shit about any fucking thing. Like, I, unless we're, even about basketball. I think his basketball <laughs> takes her shit. <laughs> but but when some shit goes down and you run to black celebrities, it's almost as if saying like, there's no thinkers among them. Like 
let's go to just the most famous people we can find. And inevitably, those folks will um, always have a position that is going to like tilt towards the ruling class. Oprah was the same way after Baltimore. You guys don't have leaders in your movement. Shut the fuck up, Oprah. Like nobody Mm -hmm. asked you. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think this is particularly instructive. Um, I saw some of the blowback on Killer Mike and I thought it was hilarious. Um, And I feel like it's, we're just going to see more and more of it. Like I, if black celebrities like want to coach, through some of this shit, please contact me. Um, <laughs> Dadbyratpod at Gmail. Because uh, I, I believe people are going to be put in positions of having to have a stance on these things. Did you guys see uh, Amazon and CBS with their Black Lives Matter uh, mm. propaganda? No, would they have an intern make a cute logo? Um, not, not even that. <laughs> they had just uh, some very you know, trite and empty, like we support black lives and somebody was roasting CBS. Like you let the cops like uh, have a command station on your CBS lot in LA and you're posting like right, black, right. Li- black lives matter. Uh, did you guys hear about this industry day of industry blackout? Oh, right. Where everybody's not supposed to spend money or something. Was there another term available for that perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> it was right there synergy um and so I heard you get about that. it i don't know what it means though like nothing drops on tuesdays nor are there it's organized supposedly by uh black managers and uh producers and it's supposed to be like uh the music that section of the music industry declaring enough is enough but um again just very weird. It's making people get into these boxes that don't are not a good fit, are not comfortable. Right. And if you haven't done your homework, like it's going to show right now. Like I, I would recommend that uh, now is the time to do some like real learning. I mean, if nothing else, like we said, there's no ballot measure or anything. But well, fuck, man, we're sheltered in place. Sorry to cut you off. We're sheltered yeah. in place. There's curfews. I mean, if there's any type of sort of look internally right now i mean this would be the time all we have is time yes yeah right now um so what what is we're here this is june 1st 2020 um uh the officer uh has been charged the officer who who killed george floyd has been charged with third degree murder absurd didn't know that was the thing right yeah they would have I, taken fourth or fifth, but they haven't implemented those yet. Yeah, right, have, right. Have, I was just going to say. Like, what? Was 10th uh, degree murder not available? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like. He got charged with an oopsie. <laughs> like, like <laughs> right. what the? Right. So third degree murder and manslaughter, um, my sense, and it's, it's a fear, is that um, he either walks or... Um, he will do minimal jail time, kind of like Johan Messerly, right. uh, who killed right. Oscar Grant and did 18 months. Um, right. right. And so we may end up back here again. Right. And let's not forget, as we, as we talk now, I mean, those other officers are free and alive. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's just, and, but just the threads, right? Like one, one of the officers being Asian, and like it sparks this whole conversation, and then we had the officer here in San Jose, who was, Jared. Uh, you win. Yes, you win. Yes. What you lose, Jared. Yeah, you lose. Fucking um, kick him in the nuts. We all know little fucking dude, little Napoleons like that. 
and to have one so starkly on the just, camera on the fucking police i mean uh, that should have been reprimanded immediately and loudly right. but nothing nothing the much girl, the girl he pushed down is someone i know in real life really Crazy. yeah we could talk off off air about wow. who that is in my in our lives and someone we've all at least run into uh, pretty, pretty crazy though and it's the the footage that's more damning about him in particular is when he was shifting his weight back and forth right yeah he's and then like charging like charging into battle and everyone was saying that dude has obviously played way too many video games mm-hmm. right totally totally he's probably a fucking incel right <laughs> he, has saw, that, he had that look yeah right i saw this hilarious tweet um not hilarious this very telling tweet about right now and i forgot who to note who did it so i can give credit but um you'll forgive me there's a lot going on right now uh they were like uh don't go out after dark otherwise the worst dude from your high school will run you over with a car you paid for no (laughs) pretty much that's about the state of things with the curfew right now (laughs) right right Uh, Right. and that's kind of where that's kind of where we're at um uh you know I, i think people across the country but definitely in in our section of the world we're trying to figure out um what we could do and i i would definitely encourage folks to not it's sick and it's sad and it's depressing but i would just encourage folks to not tap out if it, if anything i fear it's that um there's going to be a plurality of folks who just say this shit is too wild i just i want you know, tranquility, even if it's unjust, even if, right. it, even if it means, you know, people being oppressed in broad daylight. I just don't right. want to deal. Well, that's um, why you got to protest. You got to bring it to their face, right? Uh, I, I have to say, um, the impulse that Damone described is pulling me in one direction. I'm a, I like to hike. I like to walk in the woods. I like to go on little weekend trips with my wife and get away from things and put my phone away. Like that, that desire, that Walden esque desire to go live a contemplative life and worry about myself and my issues and my, my needs has, has been an impulse. Like I could get, I took Friday off from work as kind of a mental health day Mm -hmm. and for some family shit. And like, I could make a three day weekend and go camping and like, bring, bring a nice steak and a nice bottle of wine to the woods and like contemplate, like that's something mm-hmm. I could do. It mm-hmm. sounds really nice actually. Totally. Um, I'm probably not going to because of, you know, I'm trying to be a better person and trying to live in a society. And I've, I've worked on so many things on a local level that I want to see implemented. But um, there's a, there's a huge part of me that wants no part of this that just like wants everyone else to figure it out. And I realize that's a weakness well I, I i don't blame you though i mean i don't blame wanting to get away we're, we're avalanche with all these graphic images and i mean if you if you if you eat bullshit food every day your body's gonna fucking reject it but we're okay. feeding ourselves terrible mind food right mental mental shit and so it's it's like this inner rotting it's i don't know man i i'll meet you in the woods with a bottle of wine <laughs> <laughs> get a shopping uh, list together off there i i think i think as somebody who completely tapped out on this on friday night um uh like completely like put the phone down hide watch movies and not and not Gotta engage do it. with it um i think it's okay to um be intentional about what you ingest to your point dave 
it's about what you ingest and what you don't. There being engaged and awoke and aware doesn't necessarily mean engaging with the 24 hour news cycle. Right, right. right. I'm working with my mom on every day. Like, mom, part of the reason you feel terrible is because you watched all of Trump's press conference and you went on the internet after that. And totally. There's so there's so many we gotta sometimes remember, and what I've been trying to remember is that uh, media is designed to evoke reaction and not necessarily give you depth or nuance or or anything you can work with. It's just like, don't this make you mad? Doesn't this get you? Newsflash. Right. Yeah. Newsflash, you're pissed. The world sucks. Yeah. Two nine at eight. So (laughs) I've definitely been trying to be more intentional. Um, I felt like an ass, though, on, on Saturday morning when I'm having kind of prominent folks be like, they're using tear gas and they're using rubber bullets. And I'm like, I woke up like, what the fuck? Like, Who? what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Right, right. What do you mean rubber bullets? Like, what's, what is happening in my city? Like, what, what right. is happening? Um, so I, I do feel like we, we got to take care of ourselves. I think, uh, you know, freedom is a long game. And if, and if you want to <sighs> see change, uh, buckle up, folks. But let's also take care of ourselves, take care of each other. Um, we don't have to do, go to the smorgasbord of despair, I, a.k.a. Twitter, um, <laughs> every day. Right, right. Or at least not multiple times a day like I do. Do we do we even want to do we want to talk about music? You guys want to? Talk I kind of do. Is it okay? Alfredo fettuccine. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys get the thing where it's called Alfredo because yeah. it's Al Alchemist and Freddy? Yeah. And Freddy. Yeah. yeah. I like, like, way, way too long to get that. <laughs> uh, you were just thinking Alfredo. You're like, I wonder what uh, kind well, of you know, like the, the gangster <laughs> sensibility. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like, mean, the cover with the yes, Godfather. evoking yeah. kind of yeah. a yeah. It's great, um, man. I picture them snickering to that, you know, like thinking what a great dorky idea, you know. Totally. Um, Sean Sotero on Complex has the track-by-track breakdown with yeah, okay. Al and Freddie giving insight into some of the ideas and sensibilities behind it and uh, just shitting on academics. <laughs> just like, like Freddie Freddie Gibbs is in a, a beef with academics right now and i can think of few people i would rather verbal spar with less than freddie gibbs, freddie gibbs? <laughs> especially he is now so sharp-tongued and does not give a fuck wow. totally totally yeah totally. i don't think sean would mind me saying this but we were talking about it person to person and he was like there was way more of that but i had to cut it out for <laughs> length and clarity as they say and wow. it was very profane and i was like oh my god i would how much outtakes how much were the outtakes to read that right. totally wow oh, what I is al- like to- what is trackademics tra- or what is his name academics, academics. what He's- what is his beef with freddie gibbs i don't know i can this is like it's, it's worse than a twitter thing where you're like i think i talked about this last week i can never find the thing that everyone's responding to right. it's like finding the first tweet that someone right. fucked up is so hard 
Uh, with this, it's like New York radio gossip shit. I don't okay. even know. Okay. I don't listen to any of the shows. I don't know. I have no idea what okay. they're beefing about. Jesus and Mero hate that guy as well. Like yeah, academics. Oh, well, yeah. but he's a he's a clown. I mean, he's, yeah. he's the worst. He's the worst. The whole thing with Takashi, their homies. Right. That's he right. Was a, he was a big proponent, and it's like you're trash, dude. You're fucking trash. Okay, I will definitely check that out. I'm here for yeah. some uh, some academics tr- trashing, but but, but the um, album's really really good, and especially on the first two songs, Freddie Gibbs is floating. He's yeah. ridiculous. He, he's ma- machine gun funk, right? Totally. Right. And and you know, with Alchemist um, allowing him the space on this, he becomes sort of the percussion, and it's just great. He's just he's just all over. It's like watching yeah. Centipede. Yeah. I totally. think uh, uh, the homie Sun Ra. Um, posted a great tweet about um, Alchemist's beats are a better backdrop for Freddie Gibbs than Mad Libs. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I only have one record to judge it by, but um, there's well, something the to Fetty that. the thing with uh, Currency. Oh, that, that was Alchemist too. That's right. Alchemist, Alchemist Currency and Gibbs is Fetty. Which I, I was like, okay, I didn't well, love that I, record. I think there's a that reason none of us really grew to love that so much. <laughs> and it wasn't Alchemist and it wasn't Gibbs. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a problem with currency necessarily, but, but I you're, feel like, like... What are you going back to and like, what's in your permanent listening catalog? Right, they had right. one song called... Um, oh, I can't remember what it is. But it's, you're Googling it right now, I see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they had one song on there that I really liked, but I think on Alfredo, what really works is is the space that um, Alchemist creates. And it's, um, as I think about Alchemist versus Mad Lib, which I don't know that we have to make that binary, but the, right. I think the primary difference is, is that Alchemist kind of gets on a thing and like sticks with it. Right. Like right. I find that Mad Lib's production at times goes from here to there. Sometimes I feel like the beat is more out front than the rapper itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Alchemist has done a great job with a bunch of projects, Boldy James being another one, um, that he he makes great rappable beats. Like right, his right. Rapper's Best Friend series is something I write to all the time because he makes mm-hmm. beats that are just super rappable. And Gibbs is, he's on Good. one right now, man. Totally, totally. You know, I mean, with, with rap right now, I think we need to start talking about runs. Yeah. Like we we yeah. used to be like, oh, so-and-so had three albums. How amazing. Right now, yeah. Gibbs, Ka, you yeah. know, all these fools are having three album runs, four album runs. I mean, yep. the, the short and length of the albums has something to do with it, too, perhaps, in terms of um, how much they put out. But it's yeah, not man. about how many words, though. Shout out to that guy on Twitter who counts the words. Uh, <laughs> just like you've, they've decided from like an executive production standpoint that this is the, this is what you get to review. This is what you, you sure. I give you to listen to. So mm-hmm. that's all we can base it on. We can't right. base it on like, if it's seven minutes or 17 or 70, that's what we got and I'll take it. And it's still the project. You know right. what I mean? Right. And totally. it feels like a project. I'm down with that. It feels, it feels, like, it feels a like an album. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, feel like a, perhaps on a, on a future dad bod when the world is not on fire. I, I like to talk about uh, album projects versus what I call batches. Future releases batches of songs. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lil mm-hmm. Baby did the same thing. Uh, the Baby did the same thing. These are, here's my formula. Here's my batch of songs uh, for this. I got 12 fresh quarter. ones out the oven. Here you go. Here you go. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, they're all interchangeable. Nothing really stands out. There's no flow. I think what gives is zeroed in on, and I hope that Pusha T, who I guess is rumored to Man. be working with Alchemist as well. That's going to be amazing. It, it could be if Pusha takes it in the direction that Freddie Gibbs has, which is, yes, you're a trapper. Yes, you have these drug tales of lore. But what I think Freddie Gibbs doesn't get enough credit for is he also talks about fucking changing his son's shitty diaper. And mm-hmm, he has mm-hmm. these moments of like social insight about he power. Does. And he weaves it in in a way that it doesn't feel forced or inauthentic. Um, whereas, and, it, and it's not like a song about power. It's no. right. bar, bars influenced by life and what's going on within weaving a flow it of a song that makes sense. Right, right. It's we, not contrived in, in that way. In Doesn't between two sentences, it'll, it'll like reveal something, you know what yeah. I mean? And he's, um, not, he's not afraid of going there. And I, I think that's what makes him so interesting. Because look, other people can rap fast. Other people can rap about drugs. Um, right, right. You know, I think, and it'll be interesting if this Alchemist Pusha T project comes together as kind of like control group. We've seen right. what one guy can do with this. <laughs> right. Will that translate to another cat? So I, I'm actually really looking forward to, to that. Pusha has, Pusha has so much presence. I just feel like this is just going to be a home run. But, you know, I've been disappointed before. So Yeah, for sure. Just um, say Conway's album. You don't have to yeah. say it before. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 it, like, I like Lulu and the Big Ghost one, but I'm not returning to Lulu at all mm, like no. for some reason that's not clicking interesting i like i like the big ghost one a little better i can't remember what it's called right now sorry everyone that you was really look good it up um yeah and I, I think we talked about this on a, a couple episodes ago conway is just so endearing like doing charity and like bringing right. people pizzas at homeless shelters mm-hmm. and stuff it was he had a cool little moment like in between those two eps where he was like being a good person that was right. like really speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says his next album is going to be his last, that he's going to retire. Yes. Like every rapper says that, but right. That would I be guess a he released, loss. he released a song today, I believe like in solidarity. I think they premiered it on complex or something, but I didn't yeah, get a chance okay. to check it out. Did you guys? No, not I, yet. I, I want to, okay. I want to listen to it. It's just such a crazy day. Um, I know. And it's like, what, what's putting on a three minute song going to do? I know. Be pissed. Anyway. Uh, take away three minutes from my hustle of <laughs> getting things done today. Um, I'm, I'm working my way through. So Dave and I read, and Dave, let me borrow, uh, MF Grimm's autobi- autobiographical, uh, gra- autobiographical <laughs> graphic novel. novel. Yeah. That's a bar. Um, <laughs> a very poorly spitting one. Um, so I've been super into MF Grimm lately, and I'm, I'm making oh, my way through okay. his three-disc Woo. Peace de resistance, American hunger. And I can go about seven to ten tracks at a time. Okay. And I need to take a break. So I'm on week two of working my way <laughs> through the opposite of a, a new school EP. These yeah. songs all have drums. They're not the, like the most interesting beats in the world, but they're, they're canvases for Grimm to get on there. And I have to say, taken in pieces, he's fucking brilliant dude yeah like, totally. there's totally. so much good things that he said and like when you when you read the graphic novel and i don't think this is a spoiler because we all know a little bit about his biography and if you're listening to this check something out um he is a hardened criminal like he's really? a real hustler like he mm-hmm. he was in drug wars and was shot and sent to jail and like feels remorse and helped all these guys in jail get their geds and stuff mm-hmm. and, 
Mm-hmm. He is not a mainstream rapper. He's an underground rapper who's also a hardened criminal. And the two things coming together and his like taking the mantle of like self-made man, run my own company. Like he's doing the independent thing so he can keep all the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. The, the, totally. the ethos that he lays out about his approach to hip hop. And he often refers to himself as a grandmaster. And I have some snarky things about like, is that self-bestowed that I will not get into. <laughs> what is that a chess how, how reference? Does one, how does one become a grandmaster in hip hop? Because there's other people who self-applied that and lived up to it, like Flash, right, et cetera. Right. Um, I can't bring up Cuba right now because I just had to unfollow. Oh, crazy fuck, dude. Theories, but um, ugh, ugh. for another show. Um, but anyway, I recommend listening to some MF Grimm. And then my last thing I wanted to touch on is I, I'm obsessed with this new Medhane album. It's called Cold Water. I, 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 I mess with that. I mean, you've been talking about Medhane for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like nodding again, and maybe correct <laughs> me if you have a if you have a different take, Nate. It's definitely in the Earl universe. Yeah. Left. Yeah. Left. It's the I, I, I haven't figured out what to call this section of the Vanguard yet, but they're in like the sludgy section sludge village or what yes (laughs) (laughs) nice nice they're over there in sludge village and medhane is ny not right uh, but it's like um some like pink sifu's album ainsley mavi's record like there's there's something going on there there's some kind of yeah i would even i I put napinita in in towards that direction as well I'm not sure if I'm ready to go there yet, but you guys will be hearing more from Nappy Nina soon. On the that was a segue, Nate. Um, oh, but the, uh, I, I, yeah, let me just get my thought out. The Navy Blue and that Sage Ellis Sesser or whatever his name is, the skateboard kid who also runs with Earl and, and raps are all in that world. But to me, and I love Mavi and obviously I love Earl, but uh, Medhane is taking an approach where it's really relatable kind of normal guy rap, like normal guy in touch with his feelings, but like swag Mm. and like that. It's really, he's good, man. He's, I'm really, really impressed by him. This album is really good. I ran it back to back the other day. I haven't done that with the album in a long, long time. There's just so much to listen to right now, but um, I, he's, he's on one. He's, he's, he's he's not herky jerky work. He's Um, not smooth. Yeah, he has a smoothness and a, a, a conventionalness, but the, the soundscape leans kind of Earl and some of the vocal effects. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would. Um, I've definitely been on a bars binge of late. I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, but he's a spitter, man. He really says clever things and he's doing it in a more traditional pocket, which in this moment, you know, there's a lot of new experimental things happening and sometimes it's cool just to have somebody that's like spitting them, you know, on, on, on tempo. Dave, did you listen to anything over the weekend or is there anything that's kind of helping you get through the crazy moments? Uh, dude, I've been listening to Alfredo tons. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, not to just go back on it and harp on it, but I mean, I love all the guest spots too. I love Yo, Tyler. Tyler killed it. Tyler. This sound like the boat I haven't bought yet. This totally. sounds like the moment I jumped off it. It's yeah. like, okay. And with, yeah. this, with, with this, you know, pristine, glorious uh, sample in the background. That beat is insane. And the way it switches Beautiful. up for each of the two of them to yeah. attack it in their different way is just like, oh, good. that's as good as it gets right now. Right. And right. Those so guys I've been are re- really different. Like, 
But yeah, totally. Gibbs and Tyler are approaching rap music from what you would think are very different vectors. And um, 100%. The, that song makes a ton of sense. It's, and, and like, we've done the Igor thing and we our thoughts on that are pretty clear. Listen to last year's Best Of episode if you want to hear them. But um, I, I'm loving hearing Tyler rap again. Same. Well, he's, he, uh, he's gotten way better. He's, oh, he's totally. doing these guest verses. He was on a West Side Guns record, which I thought was one of the best verses on that record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he has a bunch of Lucy's. Like, he, uh, he has a song called 435 Okra. Um, he releases these one-off singles mm. where he's just rapping, rapping. And uh, he's at the top of his game. He's been rapping forever. It's like yeah. he's... He's started so young that you forget that he's been rapping for a decade plus now. Right. But right. He's got like a 15-year career and he's 30. Totally. Right. Right. totally. <laughs> right. And he just has so much going on. I almost feel like when he has to drop some bars, it's like it's an easy little thing to do. Step you know? down and just yeah. give, us, give us plebes a little something and then yeah. it's just back cool. in the Lambo. Like, the shock value has been completely removed. Oh, no. Yeah, he's not the, on that at all. From the, the conversation. And so he worked it out in public and He's, he's a good rapper, man. He might be a little yeah. underrated at this point. Oh, under, under, over, coming up on a future episode. <laughs> We're not Police doing any abolition, of our... over, under. Um, oh. <laughs> right. I have to tie things back. I always under, <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the, um, the release day got all fucked up. Like, uh, I would hate for something to have dropped on Friday. Preservation, who we had mm. on the show, who people are really responding to that yeah. record. And it is a beautiful record in its way release got all fucked up dude like yeah. it's, it's just yeah. so tough um to release something under those circumstances and um, it's like, i do what do feel you do? for those artists it's like do you pull it back do you i feel for artists because like this there's so many things going on in the world your whole little thing you worked on for you know right. we talked to preservation and he worked on that shit you could tell like yeah he dug in hong kong record stores for years and you know connected with all these guys (laughs) i'm never gonna get over how much i love that and how clever that is that's so sick i know totally um i don't don't know did we ever really like go into the car record did you listen to it demon i did the was it raising cane descendants of cane descendants of cane you know what exquisite it's brilliant it's really? it's definitely gem. which within yes. the car, you know, that universe. I really got to be ready to like get go all the way there. It's it's been yeah. warm and shit. It's hard for get me your to incense. Kind of, yeah, you got to really. Totally. It's a it's a deep cerebral record. Yeah. And so I, well, all his work kind of seems like like yeah. that. Yeah, and if cold, kinda, windy, you know, sparse, quiet. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting for me for a rapper to be so understated. Um, he's fucking brilliant his his lines i'm just i'm replaying in my head and he's on the 10th stanza you know i i sent it to a friend who's not really hip to things but kind of relies on me to send them the good new shit and i'm happy (laughs) to do that for people in my personal life if they send me some shit back every once in a while um (laughs) and what i told them is this is hip-hop distilled like no no wasted sounds no wasted words like mm-hmm. this is this everything on this record is there for a reason and there's nothing more to say and that's mm-hmm. it and yeah. that's to me that's a level of craftsmanship that we we all write some more than others that's a level of craftsmanship we should all aspire to oh 100% I'm, I'm, 
flinging clauses and parentheticals and, you know, (laughs) run on sentences and like block quotes. And it's like, you know, that probably could have been said in about six words if you chose the right ones. Right, right, right. (laughs) Totally. It's Hemingway, not uh, Tom Robbins or however you want to put it. So I I have a, I'm going to posit this and and throw it back because I'm I'm not as deep into Ka as you guys are. To me, he has an approach that reminds me of the of peak Jizza. Like it's it's there's never an extra word. Right, rappers, right. As a rapper, I will tell you that a lot of times rappers are just using extra words to get from bar to bar, chorus to chorus. Oh, of um, I I feel with Ka, it's it does feel literary to Nate's point, and where he's really. Uh, being economical in all the words it's very clean like all the words so match. clean and, and it's like, like yeah it's like his rhyme book i i imagine it being a fucking scroll you know what i mean like <laughs> right, he, he's right. he's writing that album with a feather pen you right. know and, and to your point <laughs> and i was going to make the exact same reference feather pens don't have erasers <laughs> Right, so you yeah. got to get it right. Right, right. right. Yeah. You have to get the old paper and rub a tea bag on it and uh, <laughs> burn the edges with a lighter. Totally. Like a third grade fucking report. I like uh, that you got in a tea bag reference, even though we don't have Adam and Eve anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I hear what you're saying. You have to be in the mood for it. I have found myself often in the mood for it. I just yeah. like, um, I, w- I was talking to someone who we're cool with whose name I'm not going to use here. And he did kind of a, um, like he was kind of making fun of Ka and he was like, dude, the guy makes the same record every time and did like a, you know, like a, fa- <laughs> a, a mock Farciano kind of like okay. Ka thing. And I'm like, fuck, did you just ruin Ka for me? I'm like, you're right. <laughs> In a way you're right. Yeah. But then that's I listened, his run. That's then his I listened run. to the record and I was like, I love this. This yeah, is totally. so brilliant. Like, Every year he drops, he has a space reserved on the best of list because he's literally the best. Right, at, right. And, and doing his specific thing. It's never going to be charting or like mm-hmm. speak to all the people. And it's not, it's not even really about the street life. It's like Jizza where you use the street life as Adjacent. metaphors and jumping right, off yeah. points to describe right. actual more like core human emotions which yeah. I, you guys, you guys know me. I'm much more about core human emotions than I am about the street life. <laughs> it, just, it just speaks to me. Um, and I just, I can't get over how well crafted it is. I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. So what's, uh, what's the next release that we're, we're eagerly anticipating rubbing our hands together? Oh shit, man. I can't gotta, wait. I gotta pull something I up. I thought man. something was gonna come out this Friday. I wonder if anything's gonna come out this Friday right now that you've you have your distro kid all set up and you have a chance to publish or not on thursday at midnight pull it back yeah pull it back um like the preservation which was in the works for like three years they couldn't have pulled back and shit hadn't really hit the fan yet yeah friday on thursday to the you know in most places but um i wonder i wonder what the next big thing will be well his his um the cd title or the name of the album is on point though i know Eastern, Wait, Eastern medicine, medicine Western, Western illness. illness. Yeah, man. Um, I, I feel oh. like. Go ahead. Ar- Arm and Hammer, June fifth. Oh. Oh shit! Really? Yes. Okay. I I pre-ordered the vinyl. Did you? Okay. So, yep. so did I. Thanks to your link. Yes. That you uh, we will be all over that. I was taking my walk yesterday. I had had my fill of MF Grimm, and I really wanted to listen to some Arm and Hammer to see how it reflected the moment. 
and I didn't have anything downloaded on my phone. So I just listened to Hiding Places again, and I was just re-blown away by how great it was. What can um, you do? I know, but I really, I really wanted to listen to Rome. It's like we're in the midst of the burning of Rome. Like, right, right. Let's, let's go ahead and throw that on. But I hadn't downloaded it before I had it, headed out. Didn't want to use data, so I guess I'm not that committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. man, uh, Backwoods is making it soundtrack music for these times, man. That's yeah, for sure. I just, I just, I couldn't imagine who needs to be heard from more than Woods and Elucid. Right. about the state of this sickening world. So mm -hmm. I will be all over that. And if they chose to delay because of the state, that wouldn't surprise me. And if they just said, fuck it and put it out, that wouldn't surprise me. And I'll be very, very happy to get that dose of uh, perspective from two brilliant, brilliant people who really understand the, the depths of what we're, what we're facing. I, right. I need to hear that. Mm. Okay. Totally. You send the link or something, you know how to find us. Yeah, exactly. As we're backwards boosters over here, um, we can mention it. It'd be great to have them both on the show. We've had Woods and Elucid um, separately, sure. uh, but it'd be right, great right, to both right. have them on the show. Um, okay. So we are here. Yes, I'm putting, I'm speaking it into the Dave Ma Rolodex universe. <laughs> I hope that we can. I'm excited about what we have coming up next week. I think it's going to be really, really cool. Some voices that, uh, that need to be heard. And it's really tough to schedule people right now. It's like, right. we, had it, we had an interview planned for today. It's nobody felt like yeah. it was the right time. So we're just, we're just playing it by ear. But um, yeah, man, it's weird how music soothes. Um, Damone, when you walked away, like when, when we first got on the Zoom call, I, I was fiddling with my headphones because I thought I couldn't hear you. And I've been listening to Curtis live like constantly mm. and it mm. came on. And I was like, like is Damone also listening to Curtis live? I'm like, channeling does, it. Does Damone also plan to stay a believer? Like, <laughs> and then I realized it was coming from inside my computer. It's coming from inside your computer. I know. So funny. <laughs> but like, dope. man, like we need those elders and those like those brilliant, brilliant diagnosers of people who went through this in dark times when there was no one to record the beatings right. uh, to pass right. down their messages, man. Like listen to some last poets, listen to some Curtis, like yep. listen to selected James Brown cuts. Like, sure. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, check in need, with Chuck D. That. Yeah, yeah dude. No. Chuck D knew the fucking time. Like that was, he's been such a reliable voice. Did you guys see LL Cool J crying on the, uh, I did. I did. Instagram live. That was yeah. Yeah. Intense. Totally. I scrolled through it and I'm like, whoa, like he, he's going to an aggro, but then I, I hit the volume and then was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah man. But his Botox eyebrows didn't move. I know. They, were, <laughs> they were fixed. Like tears coming down, eyebrows not moving. Um, oh my God. So we, we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, rolling with us. I think what I will do, I'll commit to this is when this episode drops, um, I'll definitely share some links on uh, our Twitter at DadBodRapPod. More resources about um, how you can educate yourself in this moment. Um, I've come up, people have sent me a bunch of cool stuff. I, I'd right, like to use right. our, our platform to kind of share that. Um, and to Nate's point, uh, we have some cool interviews lined up for next week that will hopefully um, everything works out. You know, we'll, we'll have those voices on the show. And yeah, we just, I mean, Stay safe, y'all. Stay woke. Um, and, you know, understand that we at the Dad by Rap Pod, um, we're not blind. Uh, we'll continue to engage with, with issues of politics and culture. And uh, we appreciate y'all. 
Y'all rocking with us. Any last words, David Ma? Any last words? If, um, if, if y'all are listening and you guys are like in the Minnesota area and you want to support young black activists on Twitter, it's um, at Black Visions Collective. And um, if you want to support um, the protesters, it's, it's um, the Minnesota Freedom Fund at Twitter. And if you want to help the city rebuild, um, it's uh, at welovelakestreet.com. And I think those are all really good resources that I looked into to see how okay. I could help. And um, those are legit. And th those seem to be very direct. So if you guys are listening, feel free to hit those up. Awesome. Nate? Uh, X Clan has an excellent Fuck the Police song as well. Just oh, called we FT, just right. called FTP. FTP. Um, right. JD has an excellent Fuck the Police song. We love NWA, right. but there's a little bit more to it. So if you're bumping music at the protest, there's a couple of resources for you. And actually, if we had done our Paris episode now, I would have been oh. ready for him to yell at me, and I would have been so much more positive about his legacy and his music because mm -hmm. talking totally. about someone who understood the concept of police brutality and I 100%. just was not in a headspace to deal with it at the time we talked about it, but fuck, his message is very necessary, and I feel kind of bad for, like, being all white and, like, not wanting to hear it. <laughs> go. But at least we have it on tape. Yes. That, that, <laughs> at, at, at least a couple thousand people will listen to it and always, you know, connect me with that. Um, so it's all good. Um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for talking it through today. I do feel a little better. And, um, just knowing that we can have these conversations and, um, we have this little way to express how we're feeling in this moment right. makes me feel a lot better. So thank you both. Yeah. Thank, no, you, thank guys. you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys. And uh, anybody out there listening to us, thank you for continuing listening as well. You know, it's healing to know that you're being heard as well. For sure. Absolutely. So that's what we got for this week. Uh, depending on where the devastation lies next week, who knows? We'll see. We'll see what the program looks like. But for now, um, we, we appreciate y'all. This is the Dad Bod Rap Pod.